Fan Junkies Radio is brought to you by FanJunkies.net, where sports meets social networking. of Fan Junkies Radio, a very hot and humid Fan Junkies Radio here on a Monday afternoon. I'm your host, Jonathan Raggis. Alongside of me, as always, is Mike. He's kind of sweating right now, McShane. Mike, what's going on, bud? Hot and humid. That's, that's what's happening. It is? Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's, it's creeping it's, up on us, huh? Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, we can't complain. We can't no, complain. It's, it's not, you know. It's not bad yet, man. When it, You know what? When it reaches 110... And the immunity gets even worse. I I think that's when it's going to be death out there for us. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's really it's not too too bad yet. But uh, no, it's it's you know, one of those kinds of days you're just kind of dragging a little bit. Yeah. Already. 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 You know. Right. Right. Absolutely, man. I I know me. I, I don't even want to go out today. So I'll try to pick it up a little bit. <laughs> try to pick it up. We gotta get those energy pills for uh, you, man. Yeah, I need I need a five hour energy drink or something. There, there you go, man. Ice cold. Ice cold. Well, it is, it is like we said, it's a hot and humid Monday here. Thank you all for uh, tuning in to Fan Junkies Radio today. I'm, I'm sure a lot of you that are listening are sitting at work at your desk or listening on your tablets and your phones, and you're eating your lunch, and, uh, yeah, I'm sure you all want to be like us. You either want to be in the pool today or you want to be in your air conditioning. And, uh, yeah, we we definitely share the sentiment with you, so we're in the same boat with you guys. But we have a few things to talk about today, Mike. It's not a action-packed Sports Topic Day for this Monday, but we do have some things to talk about, but let's start it off with one of my favorite segments, as always, and that's Today in Sports. Today in Sports. Going to go back to 1980, uh, and on this day in 1980, the Atlanta Flames moved to Calgary to become the Calgary Flames. Wow, it's been that long already, huh? Hard to believe, isn't it? Wow. Did you happen to see, by the way, the pictures of the Saddledome? Over yes, the I did, and oh man, that's devastating. Holy smokes! Apparently, Calgary, uh, a, a major flooding situation between two rivers. Apparently, that converge right in there. Uh, one is the I, I think one's actually called the Elbow River, yeah. and the other is the Bow River. Yeah, and uh, uh, must have overflowed its banks, flooding throughout the city of Calgary. Just absolutely devastating. In fact, the mayor of Calgary has indicated that. They may not be able to restore power to downtown Calgary. Uh, it might be months. You know, think about it. Downtown Calgary, it's 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 their Philadelphia. It's their Manhattan. Mm-hmm. Just imagine no power, no Manhattan. You know, excuse me, no power in Manhattan or Philadelphia, Michael, for four to six months. Yeah, can you imagine? Wow. You know, talk uh, about shutting down a city. But uh, they showed pictures of inside the Saddle Dome. There were the water was so deep in there up to ten rows of the first level of the saddle dome completely underwater. Yeah. Ten rows. That's that's just insane. They're saying that uh, seventy five thousand people have been evacuated over twenty five neighborhoods right outside of downtown Calgary. And wow, you know, thankfully they haven't found any bodies. That's not to say nobody died, but as of now, you know, thank God, you know, we're not hearing that anybody. 
has died. I mean, I haven't heard. I don't know if anybody has, to be honest, but wow. You know, now from what I'm reading over here from the Associated Pressman, the water's reached the 10th row of the yeah. Saddle Dome, they're saying. Yeah, 10th row. Right. Oh, my God. It, it, it's just uh, it's staggering, absolutely staggering. Uh, I put pictures of the Saddle Dome up on uh, the Fred House Sports Facebook page. Yes, I saw that. And I'm going to it was, you know, it was almost scary, Jonathan, to, to see that much water inside the arena. Yeah. And I mean, mercifully, there were no, there was nobody in there. Yeah. But it was, it was very, very scary looking. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just curious. You have uh, obviously, you must have some information up over there. Was there a tremendous amount of? Precipitation or something that caused it? I, I honestly don't know what caused it. I you know I was listening to it on the news and they were mostly focusing on the devastation, unfortunately, because that's yeah. what American media does. And, uh, <laughs> I hate to say it, but it's the truth. And uh, uh, right I coming. really don't know what exactly happened. Um, all, all they kept talking about was the overflowing rivers. I, I mean, you would have to think that yeah. I mean, they must have had some crazy storms up there. Right. I mean, unless some kind of a barrier broke, or I, I really don't honestly know what happened, Mike. But, it, you know, wow, it, it's the difference between the rescue efforts in Calgary, Mike, and the rescue efforts in some natural disasters we had here were just night and day. And I, I, I really got, you know, and that's not saying that they don't, you know, the, the people put their lives, you know, their lives on the line here and helping people don't do enough. But it, it seems that Calgary, you know, the people of Calgary just went way above and beyond. Really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, from everything I've been seeing and reading, I mean, they, you know, not a moment's hesitation. They weren't, you know, if people were, they were going in, you know, they didn't care about anything. And I, you know, really wow. got to tip off to them for, I, I mean, like I said, Mike, I haven't heard about any deaths. And, you know, here, when we got natural disasters, we hear about plenty of them. Yeah. So, well, I, it, you know, I haven't, uh, and I'm just trying to, I'm just actually trying to look now. Um, I haven't actually seen any um, pictures of the surrounding area. Mm-hmm. The only images I have seen are the ones that are inside the Saddle Dome. But you, you, you got to figure the whole area must just be completely underwater if, in fact, 10 rows of the Saddle Dome are underwater. It is. It is. You, you, you can see it. I'm, I'm looking at a picture right now of downtown Manhattan, and the Bow River just overflowed right into downtown Calgary. And also some other bo- uh, photos of, uh, you know, people doing some rescues. And, I mean, everything is just swamp and mud. And, wow, terrible. You know, it, it is it is, it is is devastation down there, you know, up there in Calgary right now. So, wow. uh, you know, but but honestly, our, our thoughts and, and, our, and our hearts are out to everybody in Calgary. Beautiful, beautiful city in uh, beautiful Canada. And, uh, you know, really, really, I just hope everybody backs each other up there. But it is Canada, and you always hear that. Everybody backs each other up in Canada, and that's the way it should be. So, dear God, Jonathan, I'm looking at a picture of the Calgary Stadium. Is it? Yes. And the water is up to the second level of the stadium stands. Yeah, it's not good. It is not. Good. I mean, you know, you got the uh, what are those things that they use down in uh, Louisiana? The, uh, it's the Calgary Stamp, whatever, or it's the stadium where the Calgary Stampede play, which I guess is the uh, Canadian Football League. Yes. Holy smokes! It takes them months and months to get back to where they were. They're trying to drive. I got a picture here of a, a bus trying to drive through the uh, the street. The water is halfway up to the bus. I don't know how you would even manage to maneuver a bus through it. Looks like the bus is getting through there, though. I mean, I don't know. God. If it's, I don't God. Know. Well, besides, you know, our hearts and our uh, thoughts are out with the people of Calgary. Devastating. Know. 
All right, Mike, let's jump right. You know, speaking of Canada and Calgary. Yeah, yeah. Had the Flames. Let's yep. talk hockey now. Uh, tonight, we have game six of Blackhawks and Bruins. Blackhawks right. lead the series 3-2. to two. The Blackhawks can win the Stanley Cup tonight, Mike, in Boston. Yeah. Um, but Jonathan Taze might not play. But now we're hearing Claude Julian came out, Boston's uh, head coach, saying that, guess what? Paris Bergeron is going to be at warm-ups, and Good. he's very confident that he will play in game six. Good. So Blackhawks without Taze going up Bruins with now a Patrice Bergeron, Mike, you would have to give the momentum in this game to Boston. Certainly is feeling uh, it more and more like this series is going to go to seven games, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, Boston right now, according to Bavada, is a uh, puck-and-a-half favorite, so uh, they've got a slight edge on this uh, over uh, Chicago. Uh, again, I think that's a home ice situation that they're giving them there. Uh, but uh, I, it would not – I mean – for for my thinking, for my thinking, I, I think you got to go and uh, operate on the belief at this point right now it's going to be a seven game series. Yeah. Well, I just read from a couple of close friends from Ranger Nation. Uh, Dan Rosen from NHL.com said that uh, Jonathan Tay said he is absolutely playing tonight and he feels great. Well, I I, I can't imagine anybody would miss at this point. He could help them win the Stanley Cup tonight, you know? What was Tate's issue? That that potentially he was a question? He he got leveled by Johnny Boychuk. I mean, leveled. Okay. I mean, when I say leveled, he got leveled. That was a, that that was a hit from Boychuk and they were talking about, oh yeah, 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 that's right. But it was a, a hard, filthy hit, man. He took him out. So. Yeah, they they were actually, there was, there was rumor that he was going to get uh, suspended for that. Yes, but he's not. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, it's the playoffs, man. <laughs> Doesn't surprise me. No, it shouldn't. It shouldn't. But it is what it is. Mike, where do you see it going tonight? Who do you think can uh, win this game tonight? Well, like I said, Jonathan, I, I feel that uh, I, I'm really starting to feel more and more. I, I, you know what? I, I, here's the beauty. Uh, the NBA Finals and the NHL Finals, how they've kind of mirrored each other a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I had the same kind of dilemma. Uh, going on in the NBA Finals, where with each game that came up, I found my mo- my momentum feeling switching back to the other team. And where the other day I really felt like, oh, okay, this this might be Chicago series, I kind of now swing it back over, and I'm saying, okay, um, I gotta give I gotta give tonight to uh, Boston. Yeah, I gotta give it to Boston as well. But like, you know what, man? When you're talking about how they're mirroring each other as a sports fan, because we've seen finals, we've seen Super Bowls, whatever where it's been either a complete shutout or a sweep. And besides the fan of that team being swept, sports fans just aren't happy about it. They come out and they say, oh, that team didn't deserve to be there. So these games, going into game sixes and game sevens, that's big for sports fans. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think it's a real good indication, <coughs> excuse me, of the fact that you got two quality teams playing in those final games. Yeah. Uh, you know, with uh, – at Make no mistake, this NHL season has been maligned. Yeah. You know, for the fact it's been a shortened season and what have you, and you know the way it all started. And uh, but you can't deny this this finals. And I said that the other day on um, on Frat House Saturday right here on on uh, on Fan Junkies. Uh, I said, you know, for all of the abuse, and rightly so. I mean, look, I gave the NHL season a lot of abuse myself. Yeah. For all of the abuse this NHL season. Excuse me, has taken. You've got to uh, 
you got to give credit to these playoffs. They really, really have been terrific. Yeah, they have been terrific. Now, John Lear from Sports Blogger Radio asking us right now in the chat room, if it goes to Game 7, Mike, who do you see taking the cup? I, I, I'm going to be honest with you, John, I, 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 uh, and, and I'm talking to both of you now, John Leary and Jonathan. Uh, I would give the edge to Chicago because it's going back to Chicago. Yeah, I would have to give it to them as well. But Boston can win it on the road. They have proven that. But I would have to give the edge to Chicago. Uh, and I would like to see Boston uh, prevail and lift the cup, but uh, I just don't see it. But for Boston, they really get – I mean, they got to get a lot from guys like Aaron Yager, and they just have been doing nothing this finals. So it's going to come down to a few different players for Boston and a few different players for Chicago to win tonight's game, Mike. Like I said, Chicago leads the series 3-2. to two. Chicago can win the Stanley Cup. Tonight in Boston and celebrate on Boston Ice, and I know guys, our, our friends over at Sports Blogger Radio aren't too happy about that. Well, and I don't want to see it. Uh, I mean, I, you know, it's just you want to see a Game Seven, man. It's do or die, you know. That sports, uh, that's that sports nature of mine coming out. I do not want to see Chicago win it tonight. Yeah. Um, I, I make no qualms about it. I've been rooting for Chicago throughout the series. Mostly because, not because I'm a big Chicago fan, and not because I'm a Boston hater. I'm not. Yeah. Uh, I've been rooting for Chicago because, to me, I just kind of felt that they deserved it because they had the best uh, record throughout the regular season. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's the only reason that I've been rooting for them. Uh, But I don't want to see Chicago win it tonight. No. I want to see Boston win it tonight. Uh, I've given much, much praise to Patrice Bergeron, and I'm very pleased to hear he's going to be playing tonight because I just think he is fantastic. Agree, agree. Plus, I don't want hockey to be over it, man. With hockey and basketball over, I got nothing. Uh, now I got to watch baseball. Uh, oh, no, let me tell you. You know what? I've been watching the last few Mets games. Um, you know, I'm, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to say I'm really into it right now, Mike, because it's still a little too, you know, too into the beginning of the season for me. Around the All Star break, I usually start getting into it, but uh, you know. Like a couple of things the Mets are doing right now, but we'll talk about that a little later. Yeah. Um, let's talk about a trade. The first trade of the NHL offseason happened this weekend. And guess what, Mike? It wasn't the King shipping goaltender Jonathan Bernier to your Philadelphia Flyers that was rumored. Right. It was the King shipping their backup goalie to Toronto. Now, Toronto now is James Reimer and Jonathan Bernier, probably the best goalie tandem in the league right now, going back over to the Los Angeles Kings was forward Matt Fratton. Backup goaltender, Brett Rivens, and they get a second-round pick in either 2014 or 2015. Mike, to me, this is a win-win deal for both teams. L.A. wanted to get rid of Bernier. At the same time, Toronto, eh, they didn't know, you know, Ben Rivens, they didn't think he was going to, you know, give uh, competition at all to James Reimer. I agreed with that. At the same time, they liked Matt Fratton's speed, but they didn't think he could really do anything good with the team in the long run. So guess what? They send him over to L.A., and in Matt Fratton, now they get a speedy forward that they're going to put in between Mike Richards and Jeff Carter, two former Philadelphia Flyers, Mike. To me, it's a win-win for both teams. There was a lot of rumor that, uh, or at least there was complaint, <laughs> excuse me, from some that I read that felt that Toronto gave up way, way too much. I don't think so. I don't think so. If they gave up a first-round pick going in this deal, Mike, I think they gave up too much. Second-round pick for Toronto, eh. They get their goalie. If Reimer's not going to be their goalie of the future, it's going to be Jonathan Bernier. They can turn around now and take Reimer, and guess what? They can offer him to teams that are hurting for goaltending, bring back a little bit more youth, infuse them into that roster, and guess what? Toronto could be turning things around right now. True enough. Uh, 
question I throw out, however, uh, is if they don't do that, you're taking a starting goaltender on any other team in yep. Bernier and putting him on the bench. Yeah. What is the point of that? You know what? They're going to go – I'm going to be honest with you. Honestly, I think Bernier is going to start. I'm going to be honest with you. That's where it burns my hide a little bit, being yeah. a Flyers fan. Yeah. It's because it would be obvious uh, to all of us here uh, who, are, who are in the Flyers camp yeah. that this guy would have been the starter for the Flyers. Well, and yet at this point right now, I would not necessarily guess that he's going to be the starter for, the, for, uh, for Toronto. Yeah. Well, think about it. He started 14 games this year, right? Jonathan Quick was good this year, but he wasn't what he was last year. Last year, Bernie only played 16 games. Before that, he only played 25 games. Started 22, started 13 in those previous years. Only started 12 this year, Mike. Mm-hmm. Bernie is going to start more in Toronto if he is the backup. They're going to go with a two-goalie well, yeah, I would agree with you. That's so exactly he's going to play good. more in L.A. With a guy like Jonathan Quick, Bernie doesn't have a chance of beating him out for competition and taking over the starting role there. In Toronto, he's got a very, very good chance, and I'm going to say about a 70% chance that he's going to beat out Reimer and be the starting goaltender in Toronto. And I think they're going to be better with Bernie Engel than they are with Reimer, and Reimer looked good for them. Reimer, they can turn around and trade, and guess what? Philadelphia might be a landing spot for James Reimer. Uh, Yeah, that's always a possibility as well. Yeah. Yeah. If they get rid of Ilya Brzezgalov, though, that's the thing. Well, I think that that's been the general thinking all along that that's going to happen. Yeah. You know, uh... Do you think that's going to happen? Because we, we both talked about it, my couple, about a week ago, and I said, don't see them buying out Brzezgalov, but I do see that, them buying out Briere, and you said, I don't see them buying out Briere. They went to sit away and bought out Briere and Brzezgalov. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, so much for my prognostication. <laughs> We're mediocre here. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, 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 you know, here's what it goes to, Jonathan. It goes to where I where I come down on it. Uh, to me, I don't. You're going to get my thinking was you would get more value. The Flyers get more value out of Briere than we do out of Brzezgalov. Yeah. So why unload the contract for Briere? The bigger the bigger problem, the bigger question mark is yeah. Brzezgalov. Oh, well, absolutely. That's the one you got to... Uh, you had a chance to go out and acquire Bernie, and you know you had a chance. But former Flyers goaltender, Kings assistant GM Ron Hextall, said that they've been in talks with Toronto for months. So Right, right. Let's bring in a call real quick from the 347 area code. 347, you're on the air. Oh, hey, guys. I was just calling in to listen right now because I just, just, uh, just dialed into the show. Oh, all right, cool. All right, we'll keep you on so you can listen to us, man. We love when people call and listen as well. So Thanks very much. Thanks for listening. All right. Very good. I bet listen, you know, we we love people calling in, but you can also call in to listen in as well. So let's try out the number real quick, three four seven two three seven five three seven three if you want to ask a question or give us a comment about anything we're talking about. Or you want to call and say who do you think is gonna win game six of the NHL finals tonight? Yep. Absolutely. Oh, Mike, let me tell you, man, I, you know what, when I saw this trade, the first thing I said and you saw it, I was like, I don't know what the Flyers were thinking. Well, I think it's, you see, here's the problem, though, with making that kind of a statement is that we don't know what the Flyers offered, and we're probably never going to know. Yeah. You know, uh, obviously, and this is where I'm, this is where I'm bringing up the suggestion that many analysts felt that uh, 
that Toronto gave up way too much. Yeah. So you're saying you don't think so. I don't think so at all, no. But – And there's been a lot of legit writers, beat writers from NHL.com, from TSN, that said that Toronto got the better of the deal right now. Okay. I, 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 and I don't know what exactly the Flyers would have put up as, you know, trade barter. I don't know what they would have – what they offered. Mm. Um. I wouldn't necessarily say that the Flyers, quote-unquote, screwed up. Yeah. Uh, it might just have been that they didn't have enough in this particular deal versus... But here, I mean, it, it, it always comes down to the Flyers with what? Either their defense or their goal or, or, or yeah, the yeah. situation. You right. have the chance here to get the future goaltender of this organization, Mike. Right, right. So right. do you give up a prospect or two in a draft pick to get that goalie? I think you do because guess what? The problem with the Flyers is never with your offensive capability, Mike. No. You guys can score goals, and it's been proven that you can score goals. Right. It's either with your defense or your goalie, and guess what? you got a lot of question marks with your defensive core, and you got a big question mark with your goaltending. Yeah, yeah. Why not make that deal? You have to move and make that deal. But that's what I'm saying. You keep Rizgalov, you buy out Briere, you don't go after Bernier pretty hard. I gotta say, Paul Holmgren. I don't know what the hell he's doing with Philadelphia. Well, I, I mean, a lot of us have not been pleased with with Holmgren, uh, anyhow. Uh, so, you know, I'm I don't know how to respond to that one except uh, it is what it is. Uh, you know, we've got him here, and there's not much we can do about it unless they make a change. Uh, but again, I'm, I I can't be so quick to judge and say, well, maybe the Flyers screwed up on this one. Yeah. You're absolutely right, Jonathan. I agree with you 100%. Defense has continued to be the Flyers' Achilles heel, and we need to address it. Yeah. And we have not done a very good job, in my opinion, of addressing it. Now, we still have a lot of offseason left, yes. and uh, we'll see where things proceed uh, and, and uh, go at this point. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm uh, reading something from the uh, Bridgeton News out in New Jersey, Mike, and uh, they have Pierre Lebrun from ESPN calling that the Flyers offered – uh, for Matt Reed to the Kings in exchange for Bernier. I don't know if there was any picks with it as well, but Matt Reed could have possibly went to L.A. for Jonathan Bernier. Well, it's obvious that they wanted more than that, and I don't yeah. necessarily blame them yeah. in light of what they got from Toronto. If that's all the Flyers were offering, that wasn't enough. Well, you know, if you really look at it, Ben Drivens, he's not ever going to start in L.A., unless it's a spot start here or there. Uh-huh. If he's even going to be the backup goaltender, if he's going to go down to the minors, who knows? Second-round draft pick, you know, 50-50. You know, you never know what you're going to get because, you can, you know, there's been a lot more talent coming out of the fifth and sixth round lately than the second round. True. So, honestly, Franton's the only one that's going to be most likely playing with the Kings this year, as Matt Reed would have. Right. So, now... I know with the Flyers fans, you always talk about, oh, we don't want to see Sean Couturier going, and we don't want to see other problems. I never hear about Matt Reed's name in there not going. Would you have been upset if they traded Matt Reed and a pick or two for Jonathan Bernier? Absolutely not. Okay. Uh, that, that, and to me, that's a no-brainer. Okay. Now, uh, you, now if it was Couturier and a pick or two, would you have been upset? No, uh, although I would have been uh, – that one would have bothered me more than Reed. <laughs> yeah. Listen, I, I just – you know, I don't know. It's 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 a goalie. I mean, a goalie is the your entire team, Mike. You know what I mean? That's absolutely for anybody. That's why teams like the Rangers, like the Kings, like right now, like the Bruins and even the Blackhawks. You know, they're playing good hockey because you know what? Your defense might not be that great, but when you have a Vesna type guy, nut, 
It's huge, you know. Yep. So we'll see what happens. Let's go over to another trade, but this time we're going to talk NBA, Mike. And it went through. We had the awesome Julie Bueller from uh, 1010KXPS out in California with us on Friday. Phenomenal, phenomenal show. Thank you to the 50-plus thousand listeners. Incredible. Incredible uh, that listened in on Friday. Uh, it was a great show, Julie. We loved having you on. We hope, we hope to have you on again. We love talking California sports with you, and we will. But she said it. The Clippers want Doc Rivers. They're going to get Doc Rivers. Guess what? The Clippers got, got Doc, Doc Rivers. Yep, yep. Here's $21 million contract. They traded over uh, a draft pick, uh, an unprotected first-round draft pick in 2015 to Boston for Doc Rivers. Um, Mike, there's a lot of things swirling around about this. We asked Julie about the trade. We said that Kevin Garnett was going to most likely be in this deal, and she said that the Clippers didn't want Kevin Garnett. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get into that, though, they do, they do now have Doc Rivers probably one of the finest coaches in the league, you know L.A.'s going to be better because they're going to be keeping Chris Paul now. Chris Paul wanted Doc Rivers in L.A. He's going to stay with L.A., no right. doubt about it. To me, huge addition for just one draft pick. Yep. Um, now we're hearing from Mark Stein already, ESPN, and a bunch of other people that the stance the NBA now is taking against L.A. and Boston is that if KG goes to the Clippers in any deal right now, they're going to view it as a violation connected to the Doc Rivers trade. So any trade that happens now with KG, they're going to deal. They're going to say that it's the one deal alone, but it's connected into two. So now they're going to be looking for a third team to see if the NBA will will get it. Julie said that KG, uh, excuse me, that the Clippers didn't want KG. That most likely Boston was basically throwing him in a deal and forcing them to take him so they can get a little more out of the deal. Right, right. This is going to be the case now. It seems LA really wants Kevin Garnett. My question is, though, why? Uh, I would agree with you. Why? I why? don't get that one either. I, I just don't. Especially if they're going to trade a young, good center in DeAndre Jordan for him. I just don't get that. Uh, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I'm, I'm, you know, mine's blown about it. Mine's blown. Now, it's, it, now, you know. I, I, well, here's what I don't understand, though. Maybe you can explain this to me. Please. Um, I, I'm still not getting what the NBA's rationale is here. Mm-hmm. In, in 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 claiming that there's a violation on this, if if Garnett were to move, explain that one to me again because I'm not getting it. It's it's going over my head. Um, he's I I read it before, and for some reason they just did not want a player in a deal with a head coach, and I guess because they were talking about it already, that now if it happens even after this deal, they're going to connect it to that first deal. Right. In in my mind, if the Clippers want Kevin Garnett. And the Celtics want to get rid of him, and they can agree on a deal. You have to let the deal happen. I think this is, you know, this is David Stern and the NBA once again overstepping their bounds. Yeah, it's odd. It's odd to me that I'm. I'm, That's what didn't make any sense to me is what their objection is to it all. That that's what I don't get. But in the end, and I have to say this, Mike, if the NBA does step up and veto any deal with KG going to the Clippers. I think the NBA is doing Los Angeles a favor because I think they are stupid to be trying to bring in Kevin Garnett for DeAndre Jordan. Right. I, I, I think they're beyond stupid. Why would you want a, a guy that's way, way, way on the side of his career ending to bring in? I just don't get it. I agree. I don't. I agree. I really don't, especially when you got guys like Al Jefferson that's going to be a free agent and it looks like you know uh, Utah is going to let him walk. If you really want another big guy, bring him in as a free agent. Mm-hmm. You know, trade DeAndre Jordan elsewhere and bring in some more depth. Why not? 
I just don't get it. Um, here's my question for you, Mike. We've been talking yeah. a lot about head coaches the last couple of weeks. Um, Celtics have an opening. 76ers have an opening. With some of the candidates that are there, where do you want to see your Philadelphia 76ers go for the head coaching position? I'm really not sure. You know, we talked a little bit about this, I guess, when was it the other day when I was talking about, you know, the fact we've got Sam Hankey in there. Um, I I really don't know. And, I, I, you know, I brought it up also the other day that I'm not sure what's taking them so long in making up you know, or making any kind of choices at all. And and it's it's odd to me that we've not heard anything. We've not even heard that they're that they're interviewing anybody. Yeah, they're not. And so I'm really not sure, Jonathan, where to tell you that I would want to see it go at this point. I don't know. Okay. I threw out I mean if you throw some names at me, maybe I would I can well, respond to them. Here's what I said. I, I think they would be beyond stupid not to offer the job right now to Brian Shaw. Okay, yes. You have to give it to Brian Shaw. If Brian Shaw turns you down and ends up, let's say, going to Boston, which I think could be a very good possibility, I think would be a very, very good signing for Boston. Right, right. I say you offer it to Byron Scott, and you see what happens in the next three to four years in a rebuilding phase. Mm -hmm. You have a couple other guys, Mike. Um, You know, I thought that former NBA player Robert Pack, could, you know, Steve Kerr, who's an analyst at TNT. Maybe a Jeff Van Gundy, if if possible. Um, you know, there, you know, there's some other people out there. Uh, Fred Hoiberg, who's at Iowa State. I know he wants to get back to the NBA. The mayor, of course. I mean, how cool would it be if the mayor was on the 76ers bench as the coach? Right. Um, but I just don't think any of them can compare it to either Brian Shaw or Byron Scott. So you have to give it to Byron. But Brian Shaw, I think he is the best person to give it to. And if he ends up going to let's say Boston or somewhere else, you got to give it to Byron Scott. Because mm-hmm. I honestly don't think there's anybody else out there. You know, because Patrick Ewing's already off the grid. I think that would have been a very good possibility for a rebuilding phase in, in, in the Sixers, given Patrick Ewing the experience to be a head coach. But honestly, I, I just don't know what your 76ers are doing. Yeah, I don't either. And You know, I, I know that you, you know, I brought his name up the other day, and I know that you kind of, uh, you were a little, you know, you, <laughs> less than lukewarm to it. Uh, I'm okay with with somebody like an Aaron McKee. I really am. Look, I know that you're lukewarm to it. Gonna do but the longer, I, that's fine. You know. But see, here's where I'm going with it. The longer this goes, and they're not, you know, as I've said, we've we've not heard anything. There is not. There doesn't even appear to be any kind of interviews, or at least we've not heard that there are any. The more and more, it's making me think that they're looking internally, and if they look internally, it's one guy. That's it. Yeah, and it would be Aaron McKee. I don't see how it would right. be. Right. And, and that might be where they're going with it. Yeah. And it might not be a bad move, as I pointed out the other day, in light of the fact we have uh, Sam Hankey that's just coming in now. Give it, give the position to Aaron McKee for a season or two. Let Hankey perform his magic. Let that kind of marinate a little bit. And let McKee sit there and, and run the show for a couple of years and see whether uh, whether things gel or not. If they don't, then you move on from there. Yeah. Well, you know, two other names after that to you too, Mike, is former Memphis coach Lionel Hollins. Yes. He doesn't have a job yet. And seriously, how many coaches did so much with like he did with very little? And I'd be very, very fine with Could that. Could happen. Hollins. And also uh, uh, San Antonio Spurs assistant Brett Brown. Right. I mean, seriously, under, under Popovich for all those years, why right. would you not want that kind of a guy? 
Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't have a trouble with either one of them. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? If you go internally with Aaron McKee, I hate to say it, Mike, you you can't expect any major changes to this team within the next five years. Changes, however, those, you know? Jonathan, will be determined, in my opinion, by personnel, and that would be what Hanky does. Yeah. Well, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's uh, – it's you know it's just crazy that they're not looking into or we're not hearing like okay well we do want Aaron McKee but guess what there's so many other great candidates out there that are so much better than Aaron McKee and that's not saying that Aaron McKee can't be a good NBA head coach he possibly could but with track records of other people that are out there right now like let's say a Brett Brown he's been with Greg Popovich for so many years why wouldn't you want a a, a prodigy of Greg Pop you know Popovich on your bench I agree I agree why not and I hate to say it even Lawrence Frank. I, I don't have a I, I don't have a problem with any of the names you're bringing up. Yeah. Uh, I'm just not sure if it's actually going to go that way. But that's the thing. Here's the thing. We're not hearing anything, but there are. I could probably throw out more names. So I could say there are about a dozen candidates that I would pick before Aaron McKee, unfortunately. So, mm-hmm. you know. Oh no, I, I I hear you, and I know that I knew that you were going to say that because yeah. you you essentially indicated that the other day as well. Yeah. But you know what? You make Aaron McKee your head coach. You know, filling up that assistant. Coach's position under uh, an unexperienced head coach is not easy either, Mike. Yeah, right. So you're not going to get a guy like Brian Shaw or even Brett Brown in here and thinking they're going to be the assistant to Aaron McKee when they put in so many years of assistance already, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see what happens. Let's talk <laughs> a little Major League Baseball. Let's look at the standings real quick. Okay. Um, yep. Out in the AL East, Boston still with a two-game lead over the Baltimore Orioles, 4-6 and six in their last 10 a little mediocre, that division right there, except for Toronto, Mike, now 38-36, and 36, five games back, 10-0 and 0 in their last 10. Uh, they've, uh, they're on an 11-game winning streak. Now it's 11-game, exactly. Wow. Did you see that one coming? Uh, not really. <laughs> uh, but I've been saying all season long, where's this Toronto team that we were promised? It's, I, I guess that's them now. I guess we're seeing them, yeah. I guess uh, them. <laughs> so... Uh, no, I didn't see that coming. But uh, hey, you know, there's still Toronto, still what? Five games back, three games out of the wild card. So uh, yeah, they're creeping up a little bit. Yep, it's coming real quick. All right, man. Let's uh, look further down into the AL Central. The Detroit Tigers lead the Cleveland Indians four by four games. They're six and four in their last ten. Cleveland getting a little hot though, Mike. Seven and three in their last ten. Our favorite Kansas City Royals that we love to root for, that underdog, still in third, Mike. Five. Uh, they're five and a half games out of the wild card. Six and a half games out of first place in the AL Central, five and five in their last ten. That's turned out to be a really good division this year. Yeah, it's it's interesting, albeit I I I'm not uh, thinking Cal- Kansas City's going anywhere. No, but you know what? If they can stay in third or even take second eventually, I think that's pretty good for Kansas City. It makes them relevant, yes. You know, it makes them relevant. Hopefully, they can. Uh, you know, relevancy will uh, bring some good players to you eventually. Yeah. See what happens there. Out in the AL West, the Texas Rangers lead the Oakland Athletics by one game, six and four in their last ten. But Oakland, five, three and seven in their last ten. Oakland, boy, oh boy, oh boy, they're like up and down. Yeah, and, and and well, you, they are very up and down. That's the way Oakland has been all season long. Yeah. Um. So we'll just continue to wait and see how that plays out. I think Oakland's going to be there in the end, continuing to scrap and fight. See what happens. NL East, Mike, and the NL East has been pretty exciting the last week and a half, two weeks. Oh, that's uh, only because you're saying that because your Mets uh, beat up on Mike Phils. No, because you know what, you've seen some winning streaks here and there. Uh, you know, nobody's really doing great, Mike, in the NL East. Atlanta's 
not hot anymore. Washington hasn't been hot all year. Philadelphia has these little spurts, and then here come the Mets with a little bit of a hot streak over the last week and a half uh, since bringing up Zach Wheeler and Matt Harvey pitching that doubleheader and making that trade for Eric uh, Young. Atlanta still has the lead, though, by six games. Mike, I still say it. At the end of the year, Atlanta's going into the playoffs. They're going to be in first place. I just don't see anything from Washington, Philly, or even the Mets that just scream out that they're going to make a monster run for that. Oh, I agree with you. I agree with you. And do not look for a wild card team out of the East. It's not happening. The only way you get into the playoffs from the East is you've got to win the division. Yeah. So we'll see what happens there. Uh, NL Central, St. Louis Cardinals, one game lead over Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, though, 7-3 in their last 10, Mike. They're playing some damn good baseball. Pittsburgh's incredible, and they're doing it quietly. Yeah. Cincinnati, though, too. They're right there. I mean, that, I mean, that's gonna, you know, this is a division that could possibly go towards the last week of the season, Mike. Yeah. If it keeps going like this, and let me tell you, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to that. Absolutely. I'm, I'm looking forward to that, Mike. <laughs> NL West, the mediocrity of this division here, Mike. Arizona with a three-game lead over both San Francisco and Colorado, but look at the Padres, Mike. Three and a half games out of first now, six and four in their last ten. Wow, four teams. Well, there's five teams in this division. L.A., I I just don't see them getting out of that last place bunker that they're in. Wow. Seriously. Three games separates four teams. Yeah, it's it's pretty crazy, isn't it? Arizona, San Fran, Colorado, San Diego. Who would have thought we would be talking about San Diego having any kind of relevance at all? Yeah. Do you imagine if the Pirates or even the Reds were in this division? They're, you know, the Cincinnati Reds are in third place in the NL Central. Pittsburgh. Drop them in the NL West, they're automatically in first place. Pittsburgh would be leading. Yeah. So with Cincinnati. Yep. 45-32, and 46-30 for Pittsburgh. So, unbelievable. Let's take a look at some of the games today. There are only four games today, Mike. Yep. Cleveland Indians take on the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, Jimenez versus Britain on the mound. Blue Jays versus Rays tonight at 7-10. Rogers versus Hellickson. Over in the NL, San Francisco Giants taking on the Los Angeles Dodgers. The mediocrity continues there, Mike. Mm-hmm. Garner versus Ryu on the mound. And your Philadelphia Phillies having Cliff Lee on the mound going up against the, looks, I guess the hot San Diego Padres right now, Mike. Yeah, really. On the mound for them. Um, Cliff well, Lee, 9-2. and two. If they're playing if they're playing the, uh, the, the Phillies, uh, we will make them look very, very good. Yeah. Well, you made the Mets look good this week, that's for sure. Yeah. I appreciated that. Oh, you're, no, no problem. I'll do it for you again. All right. Let's talk about this. A little story here. Uh, Jim Leyland, as we all know, he's going to be the uh, AL All-Star Game skipper for the uh, AL All-Star squad. And he's considering starting New York Yankees iconic closer, Mariano Rivera, which will be his final All-Star Game. Uh, Mariano Rivera says he doesn't like it. He doesn't agree with it. He wants to close out this game if the possibility is there for him to close out. Mike, I agree. I don't know what Jim Leland is thinking. You have to have Marin Rivera who does do what he does best, and that's close out a game. Why would he even think about starting Marin Rivera? I don't get it. I, I, I mean, is this uh, – I, I just don't get it. Uh, this sounds like it's coming out of the school of uh, – what's his name? Uh, La Russa. Yes. I mean, it, it just I, – I don't, I don't get what the purpose is. Mm. Why, why would you do this? I don't know. I don't know. 
when uh, Rivera said, uh, you know, and I'll say, and I quote, I've been told about it, but I don't like it. And the reason why I say that, it's not what I do. What I do is close the games. I don't start the games. It's a privilege and honor, but I'm not contemplating it. I think the right thing is to do is, uh, wait, excuse me, I think the right thing to do is the way it is to normally do. I don't want to start the game and give up 10 runs in the first inning. I'd rather pitch in the ninth than the first. And quote, I, I agree with Marin Rivera. So do I. You know, and this is a guy who, let me tell you, he can come out and be a real jerk if he wanted to right now. Saying, yeah. why? Come on. Seriously, but as a full of class, Marin Rivera, as always, Jim Leyland, if somehow you're listening to this right now, you have to let him close out the game. I don't know what you're thinking trying to start Marin Rivera. Your, uh, your all-star closer, you're going to start in the first inning. Because if he puts up 10 runs, Mike, like he says, I think... Jim Leyland, you know, should be ousted for it. I would like to hear from Jim Leyland and what his reasoning is for it. I think it's because it's going to be his last All-Star game. Jim Leyland's probably thinking, why not give him the honor of starting it? He deserves it, but I'm sorry. Him running out onto the field at City Field with Enter the Sandman Blast, and you know Mets fans, Yankees fans, everybody's there, they're going to stand up on their feet and applaud this legendary player, Mike, in his well, life. Absolutely, and, and as well they should. And but that, you can, he's not going to have that entrance when he starts the game. You can just as yeah, right. I, I mean, he's going to get that whenever he appears in the game. Yeah. So why don't you just have well, a... Listen, let me tell you. Coming out of the mound, excuse me, coming out of the dugout, Mike, before the first inning, you know, people are going to cheer him. Uh, you know, typical all-star game, New York cheer for a legendary player. But in the ninth, let me tell you, if the AL is leading by one run, and all of a sudden, enter the Sandman by Metallica starts blasting, and Aaron Rivera comes running out of the bullpen, people are going to go nuts, Mike. Yeah. More so than he would in the first inning. They're gonna, I, would, I, I agree with you. Yeah. And the media is going to go nuts. Mets fans are going to go nuts. Yankees fans, are, I hate to say it, even Red Sox fans are going to go nuts. Because, listen, you got to give the guy the credit. He is the most legendary closer we've seen in years. Agreed. And I don't think there's ever going to be another Mariano Rivera. Yep. I'm sorry, because I just, I just don't, because there are no closers coming out into baseball that even sing half of what Mariano Rivera could do. You have to put him into the ninth inning. If he starts and it's against his own will, Mike, I, I don't know, man. I, I think I think everybody has to rip into Jim Leyland. Uh, again, I, I'm just sitting here shaking my head. I don't I don't understand it. I don't. I'm with you on that one. I, I just wow. Seriously, uh, whatever. I don't know. Uh, before we get into anything else, uh, John also asked uh, real quick, what about George Carl as a coaching candidate? Uh, yep. You know, to answer that, John, George Carl wants to go somewhere he's going to win. Will George Carl coach next year in the NBA? I am not sure. I think he might take on more of a president's role with the team. He's not going to go coach Boston. He's not going to go coach Philadelphia because I think he's sick of losing. <laughs> George Carl wants to win. He wants to win an NBA championship, and he's been around for so many years with so many great teams and just couldn't, you know, secure an NBA Finals championship. He has to go somewhere he's going to win, Mike, and I hate to say it, he deserves it. Yeah, yep. He deserves it, you know, and in, and in his whole career, Mike, he only won NBA Coach of the Year once, and it was this year. Mm-hmm. 
which I thought was insane. Insane. But if a team ever goes back to Seattle, man, would I love to see George Carl coach another team in Seattle. I would agree with you. I, I, I don't think he would uh, come to uh, Philadelphia. No. He's, in, you know, he's not going to go to Philadelphia. Make no mistake, I'd take him in a, in a heartbeat. Yeah. <laughs> well, wait, listen, look at it. Boston's eventually going to get rid of Paul Pierce. Whether they buy him out or trade him, he's not playing with the Boston Celtics next season. Kevin Garnett is most likely not going to be there. Who do you got besides Ray John Rondo? George Cole's not going to do that again. Wow, yeah. Now, now that you're bringing, they're breaking it down that way, you're right. He's not doing that. But I hate to say it, at that point, the Sixers are going to have a little bit of a better roster than Boston. So, But either way, I don't see him going to either team. So right. We'll see what happens there with George Cole. Thanks for that question, uh, John. Let's update everybody real quick on this whole Aaron Hernandez saga, Mike. Mm-hmm. The New England Patriots. Of course, we all know he's being looked at for a possible homicide uh, near his house. This morning, pictures coming out. Uh, Massachusetts police in basically suits that look like tires, Mike. Mm-hmm. I've never seen anything like that before. It's something I don't know if it's something new or something that they do up there. But, I mean, it honestly looks like a bicycle tube just yeah. around these guys. Uh, they're scouring the wooded area near Anderson, uh, Aaron Hernandez's home, and they're going into some waterways over there looking you got to think they're looking for something particular. Oh, why would they? You know, listen, right? I'm not suiting up and, and jumping in a river if I'm not. They've got to be looking for something particular. In my opinion, they got to be looking for a gun. Uh, I guess. I, I don't know. I, I mean, I, I, I'm not sure. I'm the... So many times they even search a gigantic doghouse. If you saw the doghouse, Mike. Yeah, yeah. It's probably half the size of my house. Right. <laughs> And yeah, I mean, I mean, this, and now that they're doing this, going to waterways, something they they got to be looking for a key piece of evidence to tie Aaron Hernandez to this murder. Right. They got to because they're not going to be doing this for days on end, unless they know that they're looking for something particular or they have a lead on something already. Right. Right. Because I mean, we've seen a lot of uh, you know uh, you know murder trials. We've seen a lot of you know cops looking for evidence and stuff. They look for a couple of days. They end up stopping because oh, well, we scoured everything. These guys are really going over everything with a fine tooth comb. So I'm, I'm sitting here laughing. I, I just, uh, I had not seen the doghouse, and I just pulled up pictures of it. That's insane. <laughs> the doghouse is insane. It's a mansion for a dog. You're not joking. It's darn near close to the size of a regular house. I told you, man. It's half the size of my house. That is, that's insanity. Wow. Yep. Very funny. If you, folks, it's well worth it. Uh, go take a look at Aaron Hernandez's doghouse. <laughs> I mean, is, is, is he now living in that doghouse? <laughs> Some might say he's in the doghouse. Exactly. Uh, also, uh, Massachusetts police walking around the wooded areas with metal detectors and, and whatnot. Uh, you know, the more and more stuff that comes out, Mike, just doesn't look good for him. But, of course, you know, we're going to reserve judgment until we hear everything that they find out. So. Yeah. But wow! Also, if you can look at the Massachusetts cops, and you know, God bless the Massachusetts Police Department, doing a great job of uh, what's going on right now. But their wetsuits look like a bicycle, an old bicycle tube. Pretty funny. <laughs> Pretty damn funny, Mike. I gotta send you that picture. I don't know if you saw it yet. I have not seen it. No, I'm. In fact, I'm actually trying to find that right now. Look for you. So uh, check your thing right now. Click it. As we speak. At the front of it looks like a, an old bicycle tube. It's got the old uh, tubing there to put the hose in. It's pretty funny. Right, right, right. Let's see here. Bring it on oh, up. Move, move, move. There it goes. Um, oh, my the, Lord. The main picture, right? That's not a typical scuba suit. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Not a typical scuba suit, let me tell you. Uh, that's very bizarre looking. Yeah. Kind of scary looking, too, if you think about it. It is. It is. He look, This guy that you just said, he, he looks like he should have a cape and be jumping off the top of a building. <laughs> oh, uh, my goodness. It's the Black Panther, man. It's, yeah, it's, it's a little scary, as you pointed out. Yes. All right. Well, here we go, man. I got a, uh, a quick update here on uh, Bill's Hall of Fame quarterback, legendary quarterback, Jim Kelly, says he is now cancer-free and has been cancer-free for two weeks now. Whoa. Great news. Wow, that okay, yeah. That's some great news out of Buffalo for all you Buffalo Bills fans and you know, great news for the Jim Kelly family. Uh you know, Mike, I've always loved Jim Kelly. I, I always thought he was a class. Oh yeah, so do I. Great quarterback and that's one of those people when you look at great, great athletes, Mike, who never were able to secure themselves a championship, I would have loved to have seen Jim Kelly win a Super Bowl. Yep. You know, I you could say whatever, Dan Marino's one of the best, but pretty much a jerk at the same time. Kind of glad he didn't win it. But, you know, you look at all the guys, uh, you know, Patrick Ewan is one of them. Would have would have loved to have seen Patrick Ewan, not just because he was a Nick Mike, but, you know, class act on and off the court, you know. I agree. It's, that some of these legendary players just will never have a championship. And, you know, but but then again, you know, uh, you know, great, great news for Jim Kelly out of uh, Buffalo today. Uh, cancer-free for two weeks after being uh, diagnosed with cancer in his jawbone, Mike. They had to remove part of his jawbone. Oh, my goodness. So, uh, yeah, that's great, you know. It's great that he's uh, cancer-free. Well, let's hope that that continues that way. I mean, a pretty quick, pretty quick uh, turnaround there, uh, because it was really just reported. Uh, it seems like what, just a couple of weeks ago, Jonathan? Yeah, just, yeah, yeah, just about I think three or four weeks ago we were talking about. Yeah. So. Great it, news though for Jim Kelly. I'm, I'm definitely happy to hear that, Mike. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, well, guess what, man? We're going to end the show a little early today. Like we said, it wasn't a hot, hot sports topic day. So let's throw a couple of shout-outs here and plug some things. Uh, Wednesday, we will be back at uh, 12 p.m. Eastern time. Friday's show is going to be a real good one. We're going at nighttime, 8 p.m. Eastern time. We will be joined by former NHL defenseman Jason Strudwick, who played for the Blackhawks, who played for the Oilers, and who played for my New York Rangers. Looking forward to that. Strud has his own radio show. We'll plug that as well on Friday. Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, Sports Blogger Radio with our very good friends John Leary and Scott Blooney. Uh, definitely tune into that. It's going to be a good one. And as always on Saturdays, we have five minutes at the Frat House, Frat House Saturday with our very own Mike McShane. Yep. Mike, how was Saturday's show? Uh, real good. Went very well, actually. Uh, yeah, went very, very, very well. I enjoy doing Saturdays like that. It's a little more of a relaxed uh, kind of uh, environment. You yep. know, we, we, we just kind of take it easy a little bit. We replay the, uh, you know, the most recent uh, five minutes at the frat house audio side only, obviously, uh, but it's it's a little more relaxed and uh, a fun fun thing. I, I I enjoy doing them. Yeah. Also, we got some good good news coming out of the women's indoor football league, the WIFL. As you all know, we had owner uh, Ray Blanchett on with us quite a few times, and he will be back sometime in the near future. But we do got some news coming out very very shortly. Probably not this week, maybe next week or the week following. But as you all know, we do have the exclusive rights to everything WIFL here with Fan Junkies Radio and the Fan Junkies Network. Uh, looking forward to that and uh, even having some more WIFL players on with us in the uh, very near future, Mike. Uh, right. we, we we always have fun with the with the girls from the WIFL, so it'll be good. So, yeah, but that's it for uh, Monday's show. We just want to uh, thank everybody for tuning in. And if you are on the East Coast, try to stay cool because that humidity out there is just going to be awful this week. Yep. Bring some bottles of water with you because you're going to need it. 
So for Mike McShane, I'm Jonathan Raggis. Thank you all for tuning in to Fan Junkies Radio. We'll see you all Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. Catch you then.